cliffcentral.com. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Cliff Central. My name is Simba. I'm alongside Jade again. It's my second week on the show today, and uh, I think I've got rid of the, the, the cobwebs and everything today, so hopefully I can get this right. I'm running the desk today. Jade, good morning. How are you? Hi, Simba. I'm fine, and you? It's so good. cool to have you on Rookies and Rockstars, so welcome to your thank second you. sesh. Thank you, thank you. We have some awesome guests today. Tell us about them, Jade. So, sitting alongside me is a South African woman that uh, I remain astonished by every single day. I mean, obviously, today we're talking specifically about one of her many, 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 many projects, which is Healthbox. But, Lisa Raleigh, welcome to, to Cliff Central. Good and to be to, here, guys. Yay, we're so excited. Yes. And I understand you guys are really good friends, right? Well, yes. Yeah. We, had a, we, we, we bonded over a very challenging project. Yes. What, did, you, did, you, did you put you in the gym? No. A business project, not a body project. <laughs> exactly. So we, I, I, I definitely need a gym during the project event. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we are, it's, it's been a, it's been a cool journey and we, we both took learnings out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're back here because there's just so much more, you know, mm-hmm. with business and with anything. It's just, there's so much more to look forward to. Yeah. So yeah, we are pals. Indeed. Fantastic. And I've, I've worked alongside Lisa as well on your yes. on some of your TV shows as well. Crazy Simba. Hey? Hey? Never a dull moment with you on set. <laughs> I think people have this perception about me that when they actually meet the real Simba, they're sort of like, wow, okay, what just happened? But now, Lisa, we're here to speak about Healthbox SA. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about that and what it's about. Okay, so it was approximately, I'd say, two years ago that mm-hmm. the concept was born. And I remember telling one of my staff members, uh, well, Rubybox, who we're going to be talking about just now, was one of the instigators for the idea, to be 100% honest. Okay? Oh, wow. Uh, because they they uh, supply a beauty box every month. And obviously, I'm in the wellness game, not in the beauty industry. I think it all ties in at the end of the day. But mine is obviously more wellness and fitness. Yeah. And I said, you know, why do we do one for wellness? Because everybody used to send us products to try test and taste mm-hmm. all the time. What are our views, our opinions? Can we write a blog about it? Um, you know, and then we would get, then we would do that. And then everybody like inundated on Twitter and Facebook asking us where they could go and find those products. Oh, wow. So it was just a natural progression to say, well, why don't we do a wellness type box? So that's why we called it health box. Mm-hmm. And I'm very fussy. I don't like to just go and buy big size products straight up in the store, mm. not knowing what they taste like. You want to try it out. I want to try it. I've mm. always been like that. But the, the whole sampling experience inside a supermarket where, you know, you take a little uh, toothpick of yes. something, it's like really oh. Old and it's okay. quite gross and I'm very fussy and finicky about food. But it works. So it does work, but I think there's a better way of doing it. So mm-hmm. Health Box was born in November 2012 um, and pretty much just a solution to people to, to actually to get them to try new products. That was my big thing is that some of us are creatures of habits. So if, if our mums gave us Pitco Tips Tea when we were eight years yeah. old, yeah. we will probably buy Pitco Tips Tea our whole lives. We won't I, yeah. venture out and try five roses or another type of tea because we just like what we always were given. Yeah. So not only was I trying to get people to try new things, experiment a little bit more, but also try a healthier alternative. That was my big goal is that there are a lot of alternatives out there that still taste great, but they're better for you. So why don't you give them a go? So you started this November 2012. Did it yeah. kick off immediately? Well, we had nice launches around the country and those are really you know, they were done well and we had all the right media and celebs and it was a really great start. Our subscription started going through the roof and things were really exciting. But, you know, two years later, I can look back now and say I've learned a lot about the process. Um, hats off to Rubybox who've made a huge success of their business. Mm-hmm. I think their business model was very different to ours and I definitely have learned a little bit from them. Um, just what doesn't work, if I can speak about that? Because yes, I don't think people that. speak enough about what doesn't work mm. um, <laughs> rather than what does. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so what's important here and what, I, what, we, what we really like about what Lisa's about to delve into is that remember, no matter where you are with a old project, new project, your brand, your business, what's important and what you often hear our guests speaking about are the successes. But what Lisa wants to touch on now is what actually did not work and what the learnings and the failings were. So, uh, yeah, Lisa, I mean, we, we, we salute the fact that you are willing to talk about this because <laughs> I think it's important as an entrepreneur yeah. to understand that sometimes not all of the ideas work. Yeah. Not everything 
pans out. So yeah. let's let's hear about and that. And the key in any business is to stay flexible. Mm. That you've got to keep flexible. And that's what I've definitely learned. It's not stopping it. It's not giving up. It's about changing tune, changing direction all the time, going with the flow until you find a solution that works. And then great. You know, it does cost money and it mm. does take patience. So if you've got those two things, <laughs> then good. If not, you're going to have to find another way. But just I want to recap a little bit about – I was doing research last night before today's um, interview about the different – um, types of businesses. So you've got your wellness industry and then you've got the, the beauty industry. Now we've mm-hmm. obviously gone through a recession and we're about to go through another massive recession, just FYI, but we are. Thank you and for reminding <laughs> us. We are about to get really bad out there, but let's keep on the bright side. But during the recession, one of the industries that was not affected by the recession as much as all the other industries was the beauty industry. And that's because people still wanted to look and feel good as much as possible, even though they were really, really depressed or sad or worried or whatever. They still bought their lipstick. They still bought their face cream. They still tried to look good and buy, you know, fashion items, even though they might have bought a cheaper brand for that period of time. They still managed to keep their appearances up. Unbelievable. Yes. So you're saying they wanted to look good, but does that mean they were... Dieting and training? No, the wellness industry was, it actually really suffered. So people looked at their budget saying, well, I can't not wear lipstick. I can't Mm. not use a face cream. I mean, those are essentials, right? (laughs) But when it comes to having a personal trainer, having an expensive gym membership, uh, buying this expensive protein powder that you love so much, all of those things, people started to cut back on. And they said, you know, I'd love to have it, but it's it's not a necessity. It's Mm. a luxury. So the wellness industry was seriously affected by the recession. So we... We launched this product in the middle of all of that. So beauty boxes, I'm sure, on the rise and will continue to always be on the rise. Wellness boxes, people looked at it and thought, do I really need this? I mean, it's a nice to have. It's a nice gift for myself each month, but I can't go without it because now we're paying e-tolls. All petrol's gone up. Mm. All the bonds gone up. Yeah, so people had to make a choice. So I found that quite fascinating in in my learnings. and then, yeah, just some of the things that definitely did not work. So trying to please everybody is difficult. So what we did is we chose, we tried, tested, and tasted all different products that were sent to us. So yeah. it could have been, I mean, sometimes we did go into the organic creams and things, but it could be a lip gloss that was made from beeswax, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used energy drinks, energy bars, any type of food item, like new rice cakes that were coated in carob, um, you know, little mints that were fructose and sugar-free. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? There's a, an extensive selection of products out there. So we were sent them, we tested them. A lot of ones didn't pass because they had lots of MSG in it, they had aspartame, massive food colorants and flavorants. So we had standards that we adhered to. And the ones that passed those tests, we packaged into the health boxes and every month was a different theme. And that was another failing. Anyway, I'll get to that one. Um, but people got the selection of, you know, edible foods, uh, topical food, topical creams, all kinds of things. And then people were really fussy. Yeah. So what happens if you don't like kale and you hate the flavor orange That's and you true. don't eat protein shakes? Energy drinks make you weird and you don't sleep. So people would look at the box and say, oh, this is so cool. I mean, it was literally busting out. Wow. You know, it was busting out of the box all the different selections. So the value was there. People were getting spoiled. Yeah. But if you don't like certain products, you're not going to even try them no matter what. So you might like only three or five out of the 10 items that were put into the box. Mm. And so all of a sudden, there was no value. So how did you change that? Did you start asking people for what they wanted? Well, what we did, no, we didn't do that. We dropped the size of the box. We dropped the amount of samples. We dropped the cost. And that's something we also learned is that people wanted to be as cheap to free as possible. Yeah. Yeah. People like free. They do like free. We all like free. I I love free myself. (laughs) But but do you find that that, uh, in general people that want to stay healthy Mm. and look good, do you find that it's people that can afford it? Um, It is the high LSM. And that's something I also want to mention is that we keep marketing products, services, um, you know, gadgets, concepts, strategies to the higher LSM. So the formal sector, which is approximately 7 million South Africans. And wow. it's the same 7 million South Africans that all of us, most of us keep marketing to. Yeah. And then you get the informal sector, which is a lot bigger. It's 45 million South Africans on yeah. the informal sector. Wow. And their buying, buying power is obviously much greater because they're lower income earners. But in the mass, they actually have huge power there's more money in the informal sector than there is in the formal sector so i think that products in the future and a couple of the talks that i've done recently i've touched on this people people need to start developing solutions and products for the lower lsm of south africa so true and stay away from the higher lsm because it's a little saturated right now (laughs) no exactly and that's i think what what is quite interesting i mean seven million people you spoke about it 
earlier as well, mm. before you know, before we came in studio. And what is interesting is that I never thought about it. You're just targeting the health box at them. Yeah. But if you think about Life Cover and all the other products that yeah. are being thrown at those seven million yeah. people, you're so right about this country because. Yeah. What do they choose? Who do yeah. they go with? When when do they stop spending money on everyone who's targeting them? Yeah, and different fitness and diet books and different uh, you know um, <gasps> apps and gadgets that you wear on your body. And there's now 50 different ways in which to exercise, not just going to your big gym. So we are. We are really saturated with choice. Yeah. Um, I think for me, wellness is a luxury still. It would be fantastic in the years to come if everybody looked at it as a necessity. Uh, and as a it real be, yeah. need, yeah, in order to perform, we need to be well. I mean, no amount of wealth is with anything without health. You know, all that stuff we've all heard. But wellness is a luxury, and it is definitely the first thing to go when times get tough. And that's what we have learned. You know, the boxes were very different. They, And like I said, every month they were themed. We had beautiful sleeves that went on, uh, printed in beautiful colors. And we, we actually stuck handmade recycled goods onto them. Wow. We had a creative element saying, take this box sleeve and recycle it and create it into all these things. And we had all these ideas. I mean, really, we went over the top with the whole idea. And it was almost like South Africa wasn't ready because there's a very similar box or there's four or five boxes overseas in America and one of them which is very similar to our concept actually won top 10 businesses in 2012 wow. uh, in San Francisco it was flying still is flying so you say that it's flying there do you think it's a it's a mindset thing in South Africa when you change our mindsets about health and wellness I just think that it depends on the country that you're in I mean when you are advertising and, and promoting in a in a country like or a city like San Francisco in a country like America, it's just the numbers are much, much, much bigger. Like I said, we are only dealing with 7 million people. And probably out of those 7 million people, only really 1 million people are the, your real market. And out of that, probably only 10% of those are actually interested in wellness. Wow. It's a very small market. It's crazy. It is. Yeah, I mean, even the, even the affordability. So I think the question of, you know, it not working overseas versus working here, mm. I think it's also the disposable income barrier. I think yeah. it's especially now that we're now about to go into another recession yeah. and start wearing it. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Well, you know, we just we throw we threw in too many frills. I think you know, trying to create different boxes every month, um, making it a little bit bigger, luxury. It was just not uh, well. When I say not well accepted, we did have our loyal subscribers and things like that, but we had to change tune completely because people wanted small sample boxes. They don't care what the box looks like. They just want to have as much in it for free as possible or for a low, low, low cost. They want vouchers which they can utilize on an e-commerce type store. Oh. Um, for them, the cost is critical. Like it's all about the cost versus the value add. So we've changed strategy completely um, and we're going to be building a really, really different e-commerce store for in 2015. We'll launch only towards the end of 2015. I think also by then South Africans will be just that much more um, you know, parfait with internet buying and e-commerce and stuff. Uh, but it, it hasn't been seen yet, and it's very exciting. Uh, health box still exists very much, but we only do bespoke boxes. So for corporate events and, and wellness days and, um, yeah, like uh, the challenge that I also run while I am, we did boxes for while I am. So we're finding that it's, it's much more niche, and we're getting people saying, well, we want to spend this per box. We want our logo on it. These are the kind of items we want, and it can you do it? We like totally, and we deliver, and we do all of that. And we, we're much busier on that front than we were with the subscriber side of things. Now, Jade, I was at Lisa's house. We shot a, we shot a show for <laughs> Trace, and yes, it, it was a great show to shoot. But what I saw being at your house, there's a lot going on. You've got other <laughs> businesses that you're also doing. Yes. I mean, you're quite the entrepreneur. Tell, tell us more about your mindset as an entrepreneur. You're a bit of a risk taker, right? I am. I, I mean, I only really know the wellness industry, fitness wellness industry. I've been in it since I was 18 years old. And I must say, I've always wanted to stay in this industry, but my path has changed many times. And my interests have changed as I've matured, become more of a woman. Um, you know, different things mean more to me now. So... I do have quite a few businesses. I think in the next year it's going to be consolidating some of them because it is hard to keep on top of them all. I've got a big team. They're all very passionate, very loyal. And now that I'm moving up to Joburg, I'm going to miss them terribly. Welcome to your real city. <laughs> Whatever. Easy. <laughs> Easy. But um, yeah, Friday night we all went on a – so this is how I do things. A little different. We don't go and, and, and you know eat a whole lot of unhealthy things and drink way too much alcohol for a party. I take my staff on a cooking course. <laughs> so we all went and we learned how to cook 12 different meals that are all healthy. And we had oh, wow. red wine, a little bit of champagne. But we had this team building. And I think that's when I realized the most that I'm going to really miss my staff. Yeah. They're going to continue, you know, staying in Durban. Mm -hmm. um, 
but we'll see how, how that all goes. And obviously we'll be recruiting new staff here and Josie to stay close to me because I like to be part of a team. I don't like to be a, like a loner, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, so I've got while I am, which is what you are on Simba, hundred healthy days, which is an online transformation challenge. Yes. Um, that. So that, that is very exciting. We are halfway through today. In fact, so people are taking their halfway selfie. So don't forget to take your halfway 50 day Gosh, selfie. These, for us. these love handles of mine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, while I am, it's a very exciting project. We had our best ever challenge this last time. So our next one will only launch in February and we'll probably only do one next year but make it even bigger and better and love it. So if you want to know more about it, you can go to whileiam.mobi. And then something else that I'm very passionate about is offering free exercise for all South Africans. We just launched our first community-based SunFits last week in Lamontville. We had over 100 people arriving for free exercise. work with uh, Bruce Fordyce on that, am I right? That's actually Parkrun. Yeah, I think Parkrun's already been on. Yes, yeah, Parkrun. Parkrun are the park, park, literally the park runs that happen around the country. And Bruce actually was in studio before you joined the Rookies and Rockstars team. And mm. we, I mean, just so it's interesting that you broke down the 7 million into a million into 10%. Yes. Because 100,000 South Africans are now signed up yeah. for Park Run. Yeah, well, there so, you go. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, carry on. So Sunfit now in mm. Lamontville. So we've got a Joburg and we've got Derbs and then we open our first community in Lamontville. And then last week, Sunday, I went to Kailicha. So we're going to be opening a Kailicha one and a Soweto wow. one. So lower LSM. Yeah. You know, we are now going to be targeting SunFit to the lower LSM because we have, as the high LSM, so many options. Mm. And what we're finding is that because there is more disposable income in the high LSM, the fact that it's free doesn't necessarily work for those people. We actually need to be going to the areas where they actually have no other choice but mm. to do SunFit classes. But now tell me, with, with the lower LSMs, like mm. people in, in Kailich and stuff like that, do you think it's a case of they've come from the rural areas to the big city where they didn't, in the rural areas, they didn't need to go and go to the gym and mm. diet and things like that? Do you think... They've just sort of kept with that mindset. Do you think that's the common problem? Well, I think that their diet used to be very different years ago, and now mm. they are eating a lot more takeaway, and they're leading sedentary lives. They're not farming. They're not in Chicken agriculture in. as much as they were. They're not being <laughs> as you know um, as active. So they're sedentary, and now they're eating way more takeaway because takeaway is cheaper. Mm-hmm. They don't all live on small holdings where they're creating all their own, you know, growing all their own fresh produce. So, so much has changed. It's yeah. a hard question to answer in like 30 seconds, but. Um, uh, so much has changed in the lower income areas, but what has definitely developed is the rate of diabetes and bl- high blood pressure and obesity. Mm-hmm. So they are faced with serious you know, chronic diseases um, and lifestyle-related diseases, things that can be reversed. So they're looking for solutions. But for most of them, you know, going and signing up at Virgin Active, I was very happy to hear that Virgin Active is, is now going to be offering a new uh, type of gym called Virgin Active Red, which is only 199 rand a month. Wow. But they don't have a swimming pool. They have small showers. So they're catering for the lower LSM finally. So I was very happy to hear that. But Sunfit is all about classes. Hold it's on. About so, so no swimming pool at the Virgin Active in Kailicha? No. Is that like <laughs> <laughs> a black Simba. spot swim? <laughs> it does make a little bit of sense. Let's be fair. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But and, and also, I mean, they'll be doing lots of Virgin Active Reds in outlying communities and where people can swim and stuff. But the whole thing is let's keep the costs down. The minute there's a mm. pool, it costs us X per month and we have to maintain mm. it. We have to charge more. So I think it's just a clever strategy. Mm. Uh, but Sunfit, what I love about it so much is that it is building a sense of community. Our classes are growing nicely our instructors your instructor has to be present on the day um and there's music always played people congregate at a specific time of day there's always energy um so sunfit is we are hoping okay with with our with the planning and the strategy that sunfit will be in every single community in every town in every city in every province in the next five years that is the main goal but we, we're talking to city of Joburg at the moment we're talking to the department of health and we're doing everything that we can to get government support as well as obviously getting the right investors, sponsors and things on board. That's so cool. So what, what is really important is, is if we just, sorry, go back to health box mm. because we're, we're, we're going to call Margot Knapper. Cool. Yay. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so founder and now, um, obviously Ruby box gained so much momentum and as a brand grew tremendously that media 24, I yeah. believe, um, but we'll let Margot tell her own story. Yes. Um, but, just to take it back there, because I find it very refreshing that that you know the openness about them being a trigger for you to have started Healthbox was was cool. Yeah. Um, and where you got it from. Yeah. So, um, we just want to chat to her and and feel free to kind of you know chat with her about about yeah. her process and where awesome. she is because I think that it's 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 so exciting to see that South Africans you may have had a few more learnings and discovered yeah. that you might go a more niche way, but really 
her product in Rebox is flying. Yeah, it's incredible. So, we, I know, with innovations on Manbox and all these things. So, let's cross over. Margot? Hello, Jade. Hi, how are you? All good, from a very miserable Cape Town. <laughs> oh, we're so sorry. We, we are uh, in the Cliff Central studios on Rookies and Rockstars and are joined by, I'm sure you know Lisa Raleigh very well. Yes, you haven't met personally. I'd love to meet you one day, Lisa. But I we actually know did you. meet. <laughs> we met in a bathroom last year. I don't think you knew it was me, though. I was unpacking my suitcase. I was changing oh between suits. And you were shooting at the Radisson Blue, and that was I me totally in the bathroom. Do <laughs> yes. you remember you, you were doing a shoot with Jeannie D, apparently? Yeah. Margo? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Lisa, for jogging my memory. I remember <laughs> that crazy day. Oh, don't stress. <laughs> All right. Well, Margo, we want to hear more about your recent success and, and, and RubyBox. Tell us how RubyBox actually started. Thanks, and it's probably not something that you're too familiar with because does everyone know what a beauty graveyard is? Listen, I don't mind they a bit of a facial <laughs> or a pedicure, hey? But <laughs> essentially, I mean, why Rubybox came about is because of that terrible bottom drawer in your sort of vanity, which is where products go to die, that you were promised, um, oh, this is the latest miracle product, and you bought it hoping that it's going to cure you know, wrinkles and that sort of thing, and then actually... So that's the beauty graveyard where products go when actually <laughs> they don't really work. Yeah. So essentially what Rubybox is, is Rubybox is a beauty editor friend who can recommend the right products for you so you know what to actually spend on. And that's why we developed it, really. Wow. Okay. Very, very cool. So, so um, Margot, obviously I'm fortunate enough to um, have watched it from the beginning stages because obviously we know you beyond Rubybox. You, you are yes. indeed my uh, husband's ex-neighbor. <laughs> From when you were just a wee baby, <laughs> but um, but what I love and what we were, you know, what Lisa was just saying in terms of your success and how you grew that brand and how you had investors poach you out and take over. What was that journey like? Listen, I feel like I've been in a three-year MBA, <laughs> having come from a, a very <laughs> much a, journal, a journalistic background. Um, I have a fantastic business partner who has her master's in business, um, Sylvia Gruber. And really, together, we really were the editorial, the warm and the fuzzy, and then the business side of things. So we bootstrapped the company, so we self-funded to start for the first year, and then realized, okay, if we want to complete the loop. So with Rubybox, you obviously you sign up and you get a monthly box tailored according to your beauty needs with samples that you can try. But now you've found the products that you like and you want to purchase, so you should be able to purchase them from us. And that's when we went and we pitched on VC, so on Venture Capital. We approached a venture capitalist in Cape Town, and they loved the idea. They were very much playing in the online space, so they helped fund us for our next year. (laughs) And then um, we thought, no, the sky's the limit now. We actually need to grow much bigger, and we were looking for more of a strategic partner. So that's when in September last year, NASPAS actually invested in us. And, yeah, that's, that's where we are currently. Well done. <laughs> well, well, well Margaret, did you actually know that uh, Lisa's health box is sort of mimicked off Rubybox? Do you know what, Simba? I mean, the model, is what they call is subcom, is subscription commerce. It is fantastic. I mean, it's launched in the States, and that's essentially what Rubybox is modeled on. It's cash flow positive, obviously, because it's now you're getting in monthly subscriptions. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, absolutely, Lisa, that's fantastic, you know, to do health box modeled on Rubybox. And it's really, I mean, we took it from an international concept anyway. Except so, that you guys so did many. something I didn't do. <laughs> so you developed your e-commerce store very very soon. So you could actually get your box. And then if you like something, you could actually go and purchase it on the e-commerce store. So you closed the loop beautifully there. That yeah. is something that we didn't do. We gave people the, the option to... Um, to try the boxes, and then we had a beautiful Moby site where people could go and click on that specific product, find out more, find out why we liked it, okay? And then there was a hyperlink which sent them to another website mm. where they would go and purchase, you know, like whether it was a discam or whether it yeah. was, you know, but that. that's great because ultimately you need to inform customers in terms of where they can, now they find something that they love and actually works for them, where they can purchase it. Yes, but that's where we went horribly wrong. That's why I've been chatting, I don't know if you heard the beginning of the the interview, but I just chatted about things that we've learnt along the way, also the three-year university degree, lots of money thrown into an an empty pit, but it was fun and we learnt a lot and we know exactly where to go to from now and obviously where we will be going um, next year. We've got some exciting e-commerce things up our sleeve uh, oh, only really launching the end of next year. But, yeah, I think that you guys were very, very successful off the bat because you really did close the loop very cleverly. 
Well, Margo, oh, I actually just want to ask you something quickly. Lisa spoke about uh, the things that didn't work. What things mm. didn't work for Rubybox? <laughs> we've literally we've had a lot of learnings over the last three years, and I think um, testing things. You know, when you so we have a lot of big ideas, and it's probably worth doing a sample test first. <laughs> um, we had a we had a courier incident way back in the beginning where we decided we grew massively, and this was also a big learning for us: is to go from sort of 200 subscribers in the first month. To then um, 600 and then 1,000 within three months. You know, obviously the courier company we were dealing with couldn't handle that volume. Mm. So what we actually should have done is tested a small sample to see how they could cope. But instead, we had a lot of late Ruby boxes and a lot of learnings on our side. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's constant challenges, but out of challenge comes reward and learning. So <laughs> that's a good thing. Oh, well, I mean, it's it's an amazing story, Margot. We are all so proud of you. I mean. As, as an, an aspiring entrepreneur in this country, I think there are a lot of people looking at the business model, and it is a, f- a flattering thing for you to know that Lisa Radley even looked at it. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, so, so, so well done. And the most important thing for us is, is where people can find you because we're, we're, we're almost out of time. Um, and so just in terms of your, your Ruby box, your site, your Facebook, and your Twitter, if you can just remind people about where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're available on rubybox.co.za. That's the site. And on Facebook at Rubybox and Twitter's at Rubybox underscore beauty. Awesome. Yeah. So, so what we want to do is um, anybody who may have any queries or wants to get involved in the conversation with us, obviously, you know, you can talk to us on the official Cliff Central WeChat group. You can follow us via the at cliffcentral.com Twitter handle. You can also now start to follow Simba and I on our Rookies and Rockstars Twitter handle where we'll get involved and communicate what's been going on on the shows. And then don't forget, Margot, what we'll do is um, your podcast will also be available on the site um, a few hours after our show. So you can share that with your your fans and your your, your awesome. yeah so thank you so much for your time i mean yes. we we again are so proud of what you've created with your partner and glad that you got some moolah from the vcs there <laughs> <laughs> but um so, so yeah awesome thanks for for sharing your your business and brand with us oh thanks so much for the opportunity awesome thanks a lot margot cheers cheers, cheers. bye Cool, Lisa. So, I mean, you know, I, I think we remain encouraged. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we're here to do. My, my heart is Arthur encouragement for anybody else who's, you know, whether you are at, we, we, Simba and I kind of always go down this route, whether you're at your business level of idea, whether you're trying to get your business from a five to 10 million year, you know, wherever you are, remain encouraged that people like Lisa Raleigh, Margot Knapper have done it. There were learnings. They might have diverted slightly. Never give up. Never give <laughs> up. Yes. As long as you've got the passion and the exactly. energy and the resilience because you're going to need it. Exactly. You know, if you love what you do, then it's fun. It's a big journey with ups and downs and it's great. Definitely. But don't do it for the wrong reasons. No, you're so right. And with um, we'll anticipate what you've got from an e-commerce <laughs> level and from, cool. a, from a e-commerce point of view in 2015 and chatting e-commerce after the break we have got the managing director of sage pastel with us steve cohen cool so yeah thank you for your time pleasure and we know you are a very busy lady and sorry i should have said this in the beginning but well done on your front cover of woman and home yes you look (laughs) beautiful thank you so much and um we look forward to having you in the 011 Cool, thank um, so you. Good luck with I'm that. I'm so nervous about it, but um, <laughs> um, yeah, we're living in Parkhurst, which I think is like a little village. It's Aww. like a Durban in Joburg. <laughs> it's lovely. Yeah, I think that's why beautiful. I feel comfortable. No, but I am lovely. excited, and you know, it, things happen in Joburg. It's a it's a place that just yeah never really sleeps. But I am excited. So, so, so Stafford has some power, hey? <laughs> Don't tell him, okay? Shope's not listening. <laughs> awesome, Lisa. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys right after this. I've never seen a diamond in the flesh I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies And I'm not proud of my address In a torn up town, no postcode envy But every song's like gold teeth, grey goose Dripping in the bathroom, bloodstains, ball gowns Trash in the hotel room
And we're back now. Lisa just left the building, but we've got some new guests in here. Jay, tell us about them. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Rookies and Rockstars. We are so, so excited. So how we got to this stage of being fortunate enough to steal some time of um, Steve Cohen's. Steve is the managing director of Sage Pastel. And where I encountered how wonderfully encouraging Steve is when he does chat to an open forum is we went to the Tomorrow Entrepreneur event. Wow. At Maboneng, it was amazing. Um, very well set up. So to Jean and his team, it was it was absolutely stunning. But what I what I really liked about Steve is, you know, you often go to these these shows or business forums, yeah. and the speakers are like obsessed with I don't know if it's their own voice or their own plan Egos. or their own mission. But Steve was just like, right, guys, like, you know, we had a it was full. People were standing. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, Steve, I mean, welcome. We're just so encouraged by who you are, you know, for your brand as a person. And the way you spoke was so encouraging to me as an entrepreneur. And that's why we'd love to encourage others who are on the same mission. So welcome. Thank you very much. Tell us more about uh, Tomorrow Entrepreneurs. Well, Tomorrow Entrepreneurs was uh, an event run out of the Mabaning district in a very cool, like, kind of New York loft kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. And I think it was just trying to get lots of youngsters to engage and just listen to people and they had a few topics mm. but I think more important than the topics was just getting a lot of people together who can share ideas mm. which kind of feeds into I think the topic of this conversation which is really entrepreneurship yeah do you find with with the youth that are they open to ideas are they open to listening they definitely are I mean sometimes it worries me that they're just open into making bucks and I mean <laughs> who who isn't yeah but they I was hell of encouraged by what I saw there Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it was a microcosm of what's out there. But I, I just think that the whole environment was quite stimulating. They, like, had the bar area in the eating, in the <laughs> listening area. So it was a new way of doing things. I mean, it was, I say, stimulating because it wasn't like everybody sitting in an auditorium in, like, cinema seats. People were moving around and it was very open, yeah. which I, I, I dig. What did you often find with the youth at an event like that? Tomorrow Entrepreneurs, you find that they're sort of like, go, go, go. This is what I want. I want to make money quick and fast. Where you're like, well, listen, it's not going to happen overnight. Well, I think that is a concern of mine. I mean, I think I'm particularly good to talk on the show and for a negative reason. Because I often get anxious about whether I'm a decent entrepreneur or not. (laughs) So when you ask questions like, you know, what makes a decent entrepreneur? I've like thought about this so long because am I entrepreneur? Aren't I? Did I just get lucky? Because mm-hmm. I've always been the kind of guy that like, once I do something, then I kind of take it for granted. Mm. And a lot of people say to me, you know, why don't you, are you proud of what you've achieved? 
and I kind of, kind of, I'm never proud of what I've achieved. I'm always anxious about tomorrow and the next day. Mm-hmm. So I've never really been able to sit there and reflect back on how, what really made us do this well. Yeah. And so coming to the show, like I am a bit anxious because you're going to ask me these kind of <laughs> questions, I think. No, no, no I, nice. th- I think, I think it, it is those questions, obviously, because there are certain, you know, certain entrepreneurs who respond to a certain way of being spoken to, but why you're here mostly is because of how your approach was different, and we don't often see it. So, okay. yeah, and I think that's what was, was you know, people, what, what I liked was the, the synergy of how you do things and how people perceive, perceive the brand, and that's okay. what I think is interesting for yeah, people to listen to. Because that's what encouraged, and you know, people think sage pastel. They think, well, mm, and then you got up and spoke, and suddenly the entire room was listening to solutions from sage pastel, but listening in a way because you created, you know, you created that atmosphere. So it is important about the brand, but what's important for us to understand is what what is different. What are you as a leader there driving behind the brand that's going to start to communicate to our entrepreneurs differently? Do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, my wife doesn't think I'm as great as you seem to think. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, thinking about it. I think that, like when I say I'm anxious, I think that that helps me connect with people because anybody who's starting off, yeah, I'm not one of those like hard-hitting entrepreneurs, you do 10 things, step one, do this, two. I'm like sharing there, like how do you do this thing? And even at the point where we are now, we're just in the pastel side of the business. There are probably about 800 people employed. Mm-hmm. I always feel like we just started. And and when I say, like, I don't reflect back with pride about, oh, look what we've achieved, I think that allows me to kind of keep my ego in place. Mm-hmm. So I don't talk down to people. And I think that that's, that kind of made our culture quite different. So... You know, being the MD of the company, I sit open plan with everybody else. In fact, I move my office around from sales to R&D to support. And anybody like, we don't have an open door policy because there is no door. <laughs> so, so people just like walk past and ask me questions. Hey, Stephen, what do you think of us? And I'm just fortunate, I'm fortunate in life that I, I get fascinated with things. So mm-hmm. people see that passion coming through. And I don't give lip service. So when, when I do stuff, people in the organization feel like he's one of us. I mean, he's really into this. Yeah. That's so cool. And I've just been lucky that I have that. I think cause like there's a base of me that's quite an insecure person. And I think because of that, mm. it allows me to connect with people. So I always think that especially in a corporate environment, when you're meeting people who kind of you think have done it all and they drive a fancy car and they have that attitude, they like make you feel lesser than and they intimidate you. And I think because of my own internal conflict, I I don't intimidate people as much as you would think the MD of Pastel talking to your staff would because honestly you can ask anyone in the organization when I talk to them, I'm talking to them. And like I share, you know, I often say, like I was talking to one of our great support guys this morning, Ding Gohan, and I said, Ding, like, you know as much as I do about this mm. stuff. I mean, you work on it every day. The fact that I'm running this business in that area that you're working in, you actually know more than me. Now, I'm not saying that out of a textbook. He knows I believe that. That gives him a level of responsibility and, oh, yeah, he actually knows his topic, you know. And it's just the way that I relate to people. I think that makes our culture quite different. And I'm hell of a straight as well. I'm politically incorrect. Bit of a German, <laughs> eh? Straightforward. Not really. <laughs> I don't have the discipline of a German. I mean, one of my one of my great skills is procrastination. I wouldn't say that Germans <laughs> are procrastinators, but I'm aware of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that also makes a difference. Yeah. I'm so aware of my mistakes, and I'm 52 now. Yeah. So I think at 52, you kind of become comfortable with like this is who I am. Yeah. So. Like I'm bad at pricing, let's say. So guys know when it comes to actually pricing the product, because Stephen has a problem in terms of asking for things and prices to do that, I'll stay out. I'll say, guys, I'm pathetic at that stuff. I'm not in the discussion. Yeah. So it's not like I've got to be everywhere. And uh, and I think it's just that like I believe I'm a, I have the same insecurities as everyone else and all that kind of stuff. And it just allows me to relate to people in a very real way. I also have a, a great skill in being able to 
even using the rep, word reprimand is weird. Reprimand <laughs> someone in a cool way. Yeah. Where it's not like you being crapped out by someone. You're not putting them down. Yeah. I would say, come on, man. You know the story. Yeah. There are like 50 oaks relying on you. Why would you do that? Mm, mm. So it's not like, oh, I'm getting into shit from Stephen. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a very different thing. Do you, do you think that's the, that's the attitude in South Africa? Where you find that with, with, with people that have achieved things, they're not, with their egos, they're not willing to speak to people on a, on a ground level. I think that that's a big issue worldwide in terms of corporates. I mean, when I get out of this position eventually, I don't think I'll have the discipline to, but I'd love to write a book about just corporate mentality that is just so, I'm going to use the word stupid because it's around egos and stuff like that. And I kind of look at this from a distance and I'm saying, you guys could do such simple things to make people feel included. Yeah. But just because of your status in life, you just can't do the simple things. And they end up alienating people, demotivating people, frustrating employees, making staff angry for the most ridiculous reasons. Yeah. No, you are right. But just just chatting around um, the the obvious reason also from a brand, you know, what the brand is, I know that um, one of the questions I'd asked you during that talk was around the whole getting the server in and how Sage will, com- you know, how the accounts and our logistics team will now start to communicate with each other on that. But what I find is a major, major problem because we mentor um, a lot of people know this, and we we mentor a guy Sitle Magubani through um, his his journey with with Sitle's Brew, a coffee brand. Okay. And what I was astonished by, not only with him but with his his peers and other businesses on that level when they're entering the market, is financial literacy, and he now has even, he's even on Sage. And what I loved about what you've created is the usability. So I think a lot of people are overwhelmed. I mean, I was because I'm like, you know, the situation of walking into the room and saying, okay, cool. Well, pricing, I'm out because mm-hmm. that's not my vibe. Seeing somebody like him and now he's being able to implement his own accounts through the system. I mean, that must be a very cool moment for you when you look at things like that. That is a brilliant moment for me. And if we just talk about, for two minutes, about that online system. Yes. Because, you know, we're part of the Sage Group, and it's one of the top 100 companies listed on the London Stock Exchange. And I think they're about, how many people are there? 15,000 through the group. Wow. And when I have a look at what we've achieved in South Africa, and this is a hell of an important point now, with probably when we the guts of it's probably ten people. Mm. What we've achieved is more than what Sage's subsidiaries in Europe and America have achieved, just because we've got this can do culture. I want to say a bit shoot from the hip because those dudes are just freaked out about paperwork and crossing every T and dotting every R. Where we're saying like, let's try this. And imagine if we can make those small businesses' lives easier. And when the customer reviews come back, because as you exit the product, you've got a happy face, smiley face, medium face. And these reviews come through and we share it. And then we phone the dude like, oh, what do you think of the software? Well, you can't believe how this has changed my life. Wow. And I keep on saying to my programmers, do you realize that although you sit in an office, there are 18,000 people now using this product. You're touching lives every single day. Now, it's very easy to get lost in there because you think, I'm in an office. It's like me on the radio, and I don't know how many listeners you had. Well, actually, you're getting some good feedback right now. Yeah, that's now. A, yeah. I got to say, Y underscore D-U-P-S. I would love to work for Stevie. Sounds like such a nice guy. Speaks to you as an equal. Oh, well, do you see that picture? Well, thank you very much for <laughs> resonating my, my, my thoughts. But I just look at that South African culture, and I think the way that I got people to feel you can make a difference and I've always like asked myself, management, why do you need management if you've got people who are into it? Mm-hmm. And we've managed to kind of cultivate this thing of managers there just to make sure everybody has the right tools and that we all headed in the same direction. But after that, I, I mean, I don't even think I need to be at work because <laughs> these people are so into what they're doing. Mm. And I keep on pointing that out. Like at our month-end meetings where we have all 300 people in the one division come into the auditorium. I'll put up these notices of like people who said, oh, uh, let's say, Leko, you were brilliant. You really helped me. You changed my life. I was so frustrated. And we show all these things and everybody sees us and we share it. I mean, at our month in meetings, you know, normally in corporates, you'll hide profitability from your staff and you'll just mm. show them turnover. I mean, we, we are completely transparent. We show the full profit and loss on the 
PowerPoint slide every single month to everyone from the people making us tea to the sales director. We all sit there in one room and we share this stuff. Mm. And I just think that it it makes everybody feel part of a team. Well, do you think that's part of why it works well? Because you're willing to be transparent. You're willing to encourage people all the time. I certainly think it's the reason of why our culture exists. I've never been arrogant enough to say that if some heavy hitter came in and ran the business, it wouldn't be as profitable. But he would have a completely different culture, and I truly don't believe that the the people would enjoy coming to work as much as they do now. But, you know, there's some dude who would probably come in and maybe fire 20% of the staff, cut costs, therefore make profits. I don't dig running a business that way. I want to try and grow that top line so that, in fact, we can employ more people. And even though with the spirit that we run the company, it's, you know, I try and have these education sessions once every two months where, where I just talk about stuff I'm reading, the New Yorker Economist, all that kind of stuff. That's not even about work. Just to try and expand people's horizons. So we've got, I think, something quite special there. That's very, very cool. I think also what what I want to ask you about is you you spoke about on at the at the talk where we where we saw you you spoke about what's coming up for Sage and also what we never spoke about was that's just what I wanted to understand. You said in the beginning there were about ten of you. Yeah. So so just going back to the roots. I mean I'm. I share the sentiment of never sounding generic, which is my absolute worst. I'd rather vomit on my own chest. But I mean, in terms of where, who was in the beginning, how did that all come about? Because I know you've now just mentioned you're part of the Sage group, but then in the beginning in South Africa, on South African soil, how did that start? I call just a 60-second chronological summary. In 1989-1990, there were three of us who started the business. My brother-in-law, Arvin Epstein, Alan Osren, and myself. Oh, wow. And Alan was the sales dude, Arvind's the dealmaker, marketer dude, and I was this like hermit who was with the programmers, speaking stuff out, writing manuals, taking support calls. Mm-hmm. And then, I, look, Arvin always had this vision that we were going to be huge. I never did. For me, it was about, is the customer happy or not? That's all I want to know. And every night I'd go, I'm stressed. I haven't got back to that person. And the personalities just like kind of matched each other so that the business started growing. Before we turned around after about two years, three years, there were probably 80 people there. And then we sold out to a company called Persitel that was listed. And then in 97, we bought ourselves back for about six times more than we sold it for. I was quite proud of that. It wasn't like a disaster that you pick up for nothing. So we bought it back, listed it on the stock exchange in 97. And then in 2003, uh, we were taken out, we were delisted off the stock exchange by Sage, which is a UK uh, conglomerate, and uh, we're here today. And in the Southern Hemisphere now, if I look at the business that originally existed, there are probably about 2,000 people employed. That is un- that is unbelievable, like in terms of a growth story. And then, so so now that we're talking expansion, what are, are the plans for Sage to, to kind of con- like continuously be doing innovation in terms of the service offerings? Well, essentially, that's exactly what we're doing. And I think we're just going through an interesting time because like your previous uh, guest, you know, you were talking about the Internet, websites, e-commerce, all that kind of stuff. So it's quite an exciting time because yeah, very often technology changes and you tell people you've got to use the latest technology, but it's not really helping you. But I think in, in, in the last five years, the the internet really has changed everything. And it, it's really mm. win-win for everyone, I believe. So you're using stuff on mobile devices. It's all neat and tidy in one server. You don't have mess. And as importantly, the software has been rewritten. So taking our 25 years of experience, we've really said, how can we do this differently? And also the development tools available today help you do things in such a cool way than what you could do 20 years ago. So I think that Innovation at the moment is paramount for us, and it's just because of the internet, really. So all of a sudden, we, you know, we're going to launch a product now which gives you a website and a shopping cart and all that, which is integrated into your accounting software. So for us, it's like a feast almost of of saying, oh, there's so many new cool things we can do. I mean, I've been through times, let's say 90, well, let's say 2004, five. You kind of there was nothing new to really do. Mm. And you were just trying to add more features where now there's so much new cool technology to incorporate and it's making users' lives much more. I mean, I even hear people saying, hell, it's fun to do my accounts. Mm. I mean, fun and accounts never really were synonymous. Yeah, I studied accounting. I know that very well. But I I just wanted to find out, um, knowing what you know now, when you first started, would you have done anything a little bit differently? The only thing I would have done differently has been 
is being, I would say, confident enough to pay more for good people. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, you're kind of like looking at the bank balance and you're scheming, oh, can <laughs> we really pay that extra 20% note? We better not. You know what I'm saying? And one thing I'll sitting here now, if you employ somebody who has a sense of responsibility, a good work ethic and an ability to learn, you will never pay them too much. Because I promise you, 10 years later, you turn around and say, oh, what would we actually have done without that person? And can you believe at the time we were deliberating, should or shouldn't we hire them? So it's to be confident enough to actually say, let's get the best people that we can get. And maybe even people we can't even afford. Take a risk because they make a huge difference. Yes. No, it, they, people are pretty key. But, you know, we, we, we're just out of time, unfortunately. But I just we, – we're doing rookies and rock stars because we believe that this hour a week can feed – the encouragement and the entrepreneurial spirits that are out there desperate, you know, to, to get into that entrepreneurial pool and do something. And I don't believe the culture in this country is enough of an encouraging one. So thank you, um, number one, for you, you know, doing the talk that you did at that show yeah. um, on, a, on a personal level and also for Sage getting, you know, doing alternative ways of communicating with the consumer. And if more brands can start to be relevant, it would be pretty cool because no one would ever have expected. Okay, yes, you, you you offer a pretty direct solution to every single entrepreneur, whether yeah. you're an SME or whether you're generating 50 bar a year. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, your packages work for everybody. But it's awesome to see that there's still individuals and brands who are going to start to engage on levels that's, that entrepreneurs need. Okay, I just want to end off by saying, I've seen a lot of ideas in our business succeed or fail depending on how well executed they are. And I keep on saying to people, don't always say if something didn't work, it wasn't a good idea. We may have just have executed it badly. And there's so often where there were mediocre ideas and because we got the right people involved, they turned out to be brilliant. Mm. So everybody's looking for this next idea, but just think about how you're going to execute it, what passion and uh, how you're going to relate to people around you that's going to make this idea good or not. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for your time. That's the MD of Sage Pastel. We had some great guests in the studio today. Lisa Rally, and we had uh, Margot call in today. Thank you so much, Jade. Thank you so much. From myself, Simba, have a good day. Thanks.